Welcome to Soul Care Culture, a podcast by Biblical Counseling Ministries. Through each of these conversations, we want to glorify God by helping church leaders just like you develop an empowering culture of biblical soul care. Thanks for joining us today. Well, hi, I'm Mike Hansen, Executive Director of Biblical Counseling Ministries, which we call BCM. And I'm with Carrie Gross, the Executive Administrative Assistant to the ministry. And I'm so thankful for one of our impact investors of the ministry that made this possible. And we're really excited about this. It's our first podcast with hopefully Lord Will and many. And I realize there may be people listening that may not even know much about BCM. And BCM is a, an equipping and consulting ministry, helping churches develop a culture of biblical soul care for God's glory. So there's a lot to talk about in regards to that mission that we can unpack and I also realize there's many excellent biblical counseling podcasts already. So it really begs the question, why another one? And why would we even do this? And I recognize our audience is primarily pastors. And I find great information out there dealing with specific counseling issues already, for example, anxiety or depression or whatever the issue may be. But what I haven't found much, if at all, at all is a clear process on how to build the kind of church for pastors. And many understand the why the pastors do, and they want it, but they don't know how. So I'm thinking actually of a dear pastor friend that I went to a biblical counseling conference with, and uh, he seemed really excited. And he was just uh, at the end of the conference, he was depressed. And he was so uh, desiring that for his church, but he was so overburdened. He was um, Actually, just I don't know how I would do this, and I can't add something else to my plate. So it was not a good experience at the end for him, but that really ties in, Carrie, to as I think about who we are serving, because we're all about the church and we're serving the church, but our heart really resonates with that pastor. Yes. So what would you say, because I know we've talked lots about this on the executive team about that pastor, and as we thought about that person and what they're what they're really struggling with and their, the reality of their life. And of course, the pastors we're talking to understand this clearly, but not being pastors, although you're married to one, uh, so you have a better insight. Uh, most people, I don't think, understand that unbelievably hard world that they live in. Mm -hmm. It can be a very lonely world. Um, and you mentioned uh, your friend being very discouraged. And I feel like people in the church perhaps do not realize that loneliness that there are they are faced with all kinds of issues and can often feel like there's no one that they can talk to and turn to about these issues and for guidance for input uh, to bounce ideas off of they can feel discouraged as they try to help but perhaps change isn't happening or there's not enough of him to go around yeah. And so he's, he can feel very alone and discouraged. Yeah. And the expectations are so high. Like us sheep, we think this pastor can be an incredible expository teacher and preacher and administrative person and leader of the staff and go down the list, a hundred, hundred of, hundred of those items. And we, especially that small and medium sized church, you know, if there's one to three, four pastors, that's, that's a, that pressure is even more, I think, uh, different pressure. The larger churches have extreme pressure too. B 
because we put all these expectations on this pastor. Just by, by that title brings all of these expectations that they're going to be a great preacher and they understand the word. And they also are going to be able to handle all of our problems we bring to the church. But you and I are actually products of going down the street to get help. And in my own story, I can't remember if I ran down the street or if I was sent down the street, but either way, the church wasn't the place I was thinking of for my serious problems. Mm-hmm. I think that happens frequently when we are, when we come to a point in life where trouble is significant and the waves are crashing around us and we're in a storm, we don't often go to our pastor yeah. first. And maybe it's because some of us do have a small understanding of the burden that they carry. And maybe they don't, maybe we don't want to put that extra burden on them. But I would argue that that something is missing in the life and health of the church when we don't go, when we when we take those problems somewhere else yeah. other than to our brothers and sisters in Christ, other than to our shepherd, our pastor, I think it can hinder what God wants for his family. Yeah. Yeah. One of our teammates uses the phrase, the superiority and the sufficiency of scripture and how he would argue that the, the local church is the best place to receive that. Mm-hmm. And we believe in that wholeheartedly. That's part of what we're motivated to try to help pastors accomplish. Yeah, that's a really interesting point that I hadn't thought about, honestly, until now of the of the potential reality that that person that's hurting is looking at that pastor that's working crazy hours and already burned out and the worry of like, wow, I'm just going to put something more on their plate. I don't want to do that. So that's really from the church's perspective and the flip of it after working with so many churches over the years now and these pastors and getting to know their world, a lot of them, what they're often thinking is, you know, I haven't really been trained in this. I know how to exegete the scripture and I know the languages really well and I can pull that out and develop an excellent sermon. But if I'm honest with myself, I'm not really confident to bring that truth of scripture into these problems. And sadly, often then the answer is, well, I'm okay with sending them down the street then. Because I'm so burdened, I, I can't take anything else on. And I look at this situation, and number one, I'm not confident how to help them. But I have this expectation that I need to help them, and I know the Word of God. Yeah, so they're, so they're not confident, and then they're also having thoughts so often like, wow, if I take this on, this is going to be like 30 meetings or seven months of walking in the heavy mess of this with this situation. And often that's just overwhelming to these pastors. And we've seen that. I mean, that's, that's a heavy burden they carry. Yeah, and, and a lot of them, I find, totally believe that God's word is sufficient. God's word has all the answers, and they want to bring that to their people. But they just haven't been equipped in that way to deliver that. So a lot of what we're doing is just helping them as they build the culture of biblical soul care of, of being confident and watching that happen in order to help the people. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I think I think some of that confidence has been lost through the years because soul care has left the church. Um, and I think it's it's one of the disheartening consequences is that the quality of discipleship has gone downhill because 
it starts there. It starts with one another. It starts with your people. And if they're not able or equipped to care for one another in the real sense of the word and to point each other to our risen Lord and Savior and the good news of the gospel for them in the very trial that they're going through, if they're not able to do that anymore, then discipleship, it's not happening to the level that it could be. And I think because so in the last 50 years, soul care has moved from outside of the church and into counseling centers. Yeah. And even the, 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 the parenting stressors and pressures, I think you're not seeing a lot of parents heading to their church for, mm-hmm. for help with parenting. They're going to see their counselor mm-hmm. or struggles with depression. And so where before you might have shared that with your fellow brothers and sisters and rallied around each other and pointed each other to the gospel, that culture has shifted. Yeah. And I think because of that, it's created a new culture in the church uh, where people keep to themselves more. And, and I think that could be one of the factors influencing a pastor's discouragement because it's, it's not happening and hasn't been happening even on the lower, the lesser yeah. degree. And that's where my heart just aches for these pastors because they're fo- they're following their calling, so they totally believe that God's word is sufficient and true. It's the word of God. It's inspired by God. The power of the Holy Spirit changes hearts and changes people. So they be- they believe that, but it's just so hard for them to bring that into the church. And that some of them, like we describe, they don't even know that their people are going elsewhere for these answers. So that's another big hard part for them because they want discipleship, but the truth is. If most of them are, are are talking about things like, but I'm not really sure it's happening in my church. So it's a terrible burden they carry because they're mm-hmm. they're following a calling by God of what they need to do. And the Great Commission is really clear of what they're supposed to be leading and getting that discipleship, making disciples that follow Christ and doing that together. And you mentioned the one another's and we, we talk about the practicing the one another's. There's 40 or 50 commands in the Bible about what we're supposed to do as the body of Christ to be strong and strengthen our, each other. And um, that's really broken right now. Yeah, the other thing I'm noticing, and it's it's our culture right now of how words are being changed and definitions are being spun. And that's not just out there in politics now. That's entered the church. Do you see it that way too? I do. I think the culture has influenced and infiltrated the church greatly and adding and heaping up that burden for our pastor and as a church member as one of the sheep uh, that should concern me yeah that should concern me that these things are infiltrating the church and how can i help my pastor how can i help him as he he leads us in the the battle in the in the war against culture yeah i like that word because that's really what it is it's war it's spiritual warfare that's going on and the enemy it just seems like our country and only god knows but it's almost like god's pulling his grace back a little bit and saying okay america if you want to do this without me go ahead and you can really see it in in the last few years the the exponential growth of of a debased culture yeah 
um, and the the push into families through public spheres. I think it is it's it's going to be key because it's infiltrated at the familial level. Yeah, it infiltrates the church. Yeah, and I can only imagine what a pastor of a small church might feel like because I'm not one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> But I can only imagine the the weight that he must feel as he is on the front lines, watching his people suffering, engaging in the culture because we have to. Mm-hmm. Um, but how the burden, the weight, the discouragement, wanting to equip his people, uh, wanting to fight for them even, but how, how and especially if if he's if if he's the only one yeah. or has a handful to help him yeah yeah and i like how you just centered on the how cuz really that's that's where the customized blueprint solution really was birthed from it's like what doesn't seem to be out there is is a process is is a is somebody guiding and walking alongside that pastor to show them how to do that and not feel like okay here's your next seminar and I'll just go implement. And that poor pastor's saying, I, I don't even know how I'm going to sleep tonight, let alone add something no more to my plate. So the Lord's given us this process and a plan and a way to come alongside them and lock arms with them and to show them what we've seen from experience. And quite frankly, it's more uh, over the last uh, seven years learning what not to do than what to do. We've learned a lot of <laughs> A lot of things the hard way that seemed really right at the time, but throughout that then developed this plan that we call the customized blueprint solution that we can walk alongside that pastor and there's some clear steps. Now it's customized. That's been really interesting to me of how churches look the same. You look at the website, you look at their statement of faith, and you look at their pictures and what they do and what they say they're all about. And it looks to me so similar. Mm. But when you really get inside that church and see their culture, every single time, to me, it's been so different, hmm. which is kind of fun because that's the customized part. It's we're, we're not trying to tell them what to do. We're not building a franchise. We're like coming alongside them to build what they want. So it's customized. I think that's unique, too, to what we do. Uh-huh. I would agree. And what hope, what hope to know that you don't have to do it alone. You can use the phrase lock arms. You There's a camaraderie and a trust yeah. that's built that i mean in in our experience being in leadership the loneliness was one of the the mm-hmm. the major words i would have used to describe it and i think wow to not do it alone to not do it in isolation mm-hmm. but with with people who are there with me yeah. every step of the way i think well, what hope there is in that yeah, there's a strength, and we like to use other words um, like partnership and doing it together. And we want them to know that, like, we're not coming in telling them what to do. No way. Like, we're just coming alongside the church and that pastor to say, "We got your back. Let's go. Let's do this together." And and uh, sticking with the building analogy, like we've we've built these customized homes. Even though you may have a different layout, we've we've got this church toolbox that we can back the truck up and you can, we can help you build. This. Yeah. You don't have Ooh, to do it from yourself. Builders grade to 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> customize yeah. exactly what, what fits you yeah. and your needs and your, your people's needs. And I think that's... Yeah, and those are very distinct, different builds. Somebody build, building track homes is completely different than somebody that's building customized homes. That's mm -hmm. like... It's yeah. a whole nother yeah. level. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fun for us. We like that because we enjoy different pastors with different personalities. And I think the consistency is I think about the people that have been the best for us to serve or people that truly do believe and that God's word is sufficient and God's word does have all the answers and it's inspired. And they're very used to the public. Like Paul talks in Acts 20 about the public ministry of the word and the private the private sometimes, not always. I mean, we know some very uh, well, some gifted pastors that are gifted at both, mm -hmm. but sometimes some of those best preachers are not necessarily the best ones delivering that private ministry. Mm -hmm. So that drives the whole aspect of how are we going to help them equip the saints to do the work of the ministry? That poor pastor doesn't need to do all of that. And, and I've found it to be very freeing for them when they realize like, oh, I don't have to carry that burden and you're going to help me equip but my other people that so they can handle this that's like a boost of energy that's the opposite like we help them walk the other direction out of that prison that, that they often feel like they're in mm -hmm. yeah yeah and that gets fun that gets fun but you mentioned another key word trust and i don't think i've understood it fully yet but i see i see it with these pastors like i didn't have any idea how much trust that is for them to release feeling that burden that they have to be the counselor for all their flock and they're willing to really do a handoff. Hmm. And we're not out to build a professional thing. That's not what we're about. We're wanting to practice the one another's, but for them to hand somebody off to somebody else, they're going to need a very high level of trust with that counselor. Mm -hmm. And if that's not there, it will end up circling back to that pastor every time. Or that pastor will end up circling back into that case, and that's not helpful either for anybody. Right, right. And I think in that that trusted relationship, that handing off, I think it's built back. It, th that trust is built through the process. Yeah. And as they see their people start to grow and change and minister to one another yeah. in such a way that the, the culture of their church begins to change. That's when it takes off. Yeah, when he hasn't seen that before. Yeah, and and he's he's carried the burden yeah. alone. I think that that trust can build, and I think it it helps that or it's unique that we're doing it in their church. Yeah. Yes. Under the authority of their church yes. and under that customized blueprint, yeah. we've taken the time to yeah. get to know them, to get to know their values and goals yeah. and to support them in those. Yeah. And I think trust is built up when they start to see, oh, they're not taking yeah. over. Yeah. They're, it is really a support. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something God's given us to steward because I'm told with other parachurch type ministries, that's very unique for a parachurch to truly come into their culture and just help them build their culture. Huh. Too often it's just like, okay, we've got this figured out. You don't pastor. So we're going to come in and tell you how to do this. Now, nobody would say those words, but that right. poor pastor's feeling like that. He's like, I'm already burned out and you're like, now you're putting more pressure on me? Like, no, we want to help them have less pressure to be able to fulfill their calling. But that trust is huge. And I really like the way you described that. I was thinking of a forest fire and that spark that starts that forest fire 
is when, and we've experienced as, as counselors, that when you see God change a heart right in front of you, when someone sees that, it's not just theory or you read a book about it, but when you sit in the front row and watch God change a heart in front of you, that's what got us all drawn into this ministry. So when a pastor then makes that trust handoff to someone in the church that's not him to handle one of his sheep and walk with that sheep in a very intense uh like you mentioned discipleship early that's another i really like too like you know someday i hope the word counseling even goes away and it's just discipleship but you know intensive discipleship for a period of time to just get them unstuck and back into the flow of regular growth in the church so when when someone when someone experiences that and and is willing to be public about that wow, have we seen things take off in the church because that trust factor then just starts exploding. That forest fire takes off because all of a sudden it's like, this is real. Like I, I knew John Doe and that's old John Doe. And now I see new John Doe. What happened? Yeah. So it's a great way for God to be glorified. And not that these pastors need proof, but when they see that, I think that's where that little boost of confidence kicks in. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay, I'm willing to trust it again. Yeah. Let's, um, and wow, if I had 10 of these, uh, I often refer to a SWAT team, you know, using the regular police and special trained people to come into those really intense situations. Often as certified counselors, we, we function like that SWAT team. Yeah. So we're coming alongside the regular disciple makers in the church. And what's really fun is it seems like the churches we serve, God raises up those people. Mm-hmm. Like they're almost fulfilling a a specialized calling. That's another mm-hmm. word I think a, a lot about. Like this, we're all commanded to practice to one another's, but I think a really gifted, certified, competent, confident counselor, that's a specialized calling. Mm-hmm. You see it that way as you think about it? I do. And I've been actually thinking about this quite a bit. I'm going to suggest that as a culture, as a church's culture begins to shift and people are caring for one another and discipling one another. And we, we take that back from the world. We take it back from the other avenues and we bring it back into the church. And as that culture begins to shift, I would suggest, I, I, I wonder, would the need for those specialized counselors start to lessen? Would it start to be do you know what I'm yeah, saying? That the there's church, right? so yeah, within the church. Start building confidence. Yeah. That like, you know what? My friend just came across my yeah, over my backyard and was telling me how depressed they're not even sure they want to live. Mm-hmm. And and someday maybe each of us would be able to handle that. It's right. not necessarily a specialized SWAT team issue. Right. The ones the the issues that we look at now and think, oh goodness, you need to go see this yeah. specialized therapist or you need to go over to this resource here. Yeah. I suspect that as the culture shifts towards a discipling, confident, one-anothering, that those problems and issues that we identify as we are not equipped for. I don't I suspect that it wouldn't even cross our mind that we would we would be quick and ready and prepared to say, yeah. I know we we can seek Christ and yeah. his gospel and 
And I just enough. wonder. Yeah. And, it, and I like that. It's enough. Because the truth of it is, and you and I both know this, is it's the wonderful counselor that's really doing the work anyways. Mm-hmm. Like so often when I'm in the counselor room, it's almost like, how do I get out of the way and just yeah. listen and be empathetic and love and then give them what God says about that issue and then mm-hmm. just watch God work. Yeah. You know, I think that's where we can really get in trouble and not build trust with those pastors when we start lifting ourselves up. Right. Like, okay, now you need us. You know, you don't need the pastor, you need us. And mm-hmm. that's not Yeah. That's not biblical one another's. No, we need Christ. Amen. We we need him and we need him daily. And I think when we hear of the gospel, we think it is necessary for salvation. We need that to be saved, but we are in daily need of Christ and his and his gospel is applicable to me every day. Amen. Yeah, I like to think about all these other convictions that people hold to when they're hurting and whether they're whether they're sinning or whether they're being sinned against and they're just sufferers. We get to really see people's true theology. Mm-hmm. Like you they could say they believe in the word of God and they think God is the answers and Jesus is the answer. But they're not living that. And we get to see what I would propose as their true theology. And that's really some of the art of biblical counseling, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that we have to help them see that that's, I know you believe that, but that's not what God says. Mm-hmm. So loved one, let's just talk about what God says to this. And that's where we get to see God do his creative work and mm-hmm. change hearts. Because only there's God can like change it. a heart. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. It is. And you and I watched that by God's grace so many times, but some pastors don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Some pastors sadly haven't seen that. Mm-hmm. They've heard of it, but they've not seen it live and, and watch it happen. Mm-hmm. They've seen it through a wonderful pulpit ministry, and that God works obviously through that too. Right. I'm so thankful for that. But sadly, there's too many of us sheep that, hear that great sermon and they don't connect the dots with their specific problem. <laughs> so that's another, that's another one of those lies. Our enemy, uh, the real enemy, Satan has, 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 um, had the church drink so many glasses of punch that are lies. And one of those lies of course is, well, your church leaders, your elders, they, they really won't understand my problem. Like, yeah, they, they really, they're really good theologians and they're great Sunday school teachers, but they don't have any idea of my world. (laughs) I think, I I do think that is a misconception that we have of our pastors is that they haven't been in the wilderness and a good pastor has been through the wilderness a time or two. If they're following their calling, they know exactly what the wilderness is. Yeah. Yeah, so it why does God have to send us out to the wilderness first? Of course he did that with his son. So why would we did. expect anything different? It's <laughs> it's an act of love. Doesn't feel like it. <laughs> yeah. And and he did that with his people. And he sent them into the wilderness for 40 years. But he told them, Your sandals did not wear out. I fed you manna. I gave you quit like he gave them water from the rock. And he did that so that they would know. Yeah. To test them so that they themselves would know who God is and who I am in response to him. Yeah. And that he that he is he can be trusted. And we don't learn that trust anywhere else beside the wilderness. <laughs> That's the hard part. 
And so when we're ministering to people that are suffering, even people that it's not their sin, they've been suffered. They're suffering because others have sinned against them. Often they're, they're not thinking about the next season after that. Like when they get out of the wilderness into the promised land, mm -hmm. there is another season coming, but it certainly doesn't feel that way when you're stuck. And, you know, we're kind of pivoting a little bit now from talking about the pasture to the actual sheep, yeah. which is really good because that's where I've heard you use the word trickle down effect. <laughs> that's what should happen in a changing culture. It's like, it's not just the pastor or the other elders or the other certified counselors in the church. It's like the, all the sheep have to believe this. <laughs> so how do you, uh, what would you say to the sheep that don't know this yet? Like, how do you mm -hmm. build hope into that person that may be listening to say, look, I'm not a pastor, but I'm, I'm kind of interested in what you're saying. Like, I've never, I've not experienced that. Mm -hmm. um, I kind of believe it, but what would you say to that person? I think I would say, I would ask them to think back, think back about the times in your life that you would describe as a wilderness experience, that you would describe as trouble, disaster, doubt, fear, suffering with sin, trying to overcome a certain sin and and stuck in Romans 7, why do I do the things that I hate? Um, and I think we forget about Romans 8.1. Amen. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And so I would ask you to consider where did you go for help? Where did you turn? That's the theology piece right there. Mm -hmm. Where did they really go believing that they were going to get help? Mm -hmm. Who, where did your eyes look? Mm -hmm. And that brings to mind 2 Corinthians 3, 3.18. I've been meditating on this beholding. Mm -hmm. Beholding his glory, we are being transformed and thinking about what is beholding, what does it mean? I don't think it's passive. Mm -hmm. And I would argue or I would ask you to consider what in your trouble, what do you behold? What do you set your eyes on? What do you set your your mind on? We're, we're instructed where we are to look and where we are to behold. And It's a powerful word. Yes. I'm thinking of, you said not passive, I am. I'm thinking about action. I'm thinking we have to do something. Mm -hmm. God's not going to throw the lightning bolt necessarily. We're going to, we have a responsibility. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is the doing is not the box checking. Mm -hmm. It's not the doing that our heart and soul craves yeah. to do, that inner Pharisee that wants to check all the boxes yeah. and say, I'm good. Yeah. It is that beholding is a disciplined practice of resting in who he is and what he's done. Yeah. And when trouble comes and when doubts, overwhelm and feel suffocating sometimes. Yeah. And when I feel all alone, that disciplined beholding of his glory, the good news of his gospel, what he has done on our behalf and continues to do. Yeah. And it's his love. We're being transformed. We're being transformed. And I'm thinking of a friend this morning, matter of fact, that was, uh, he's holding into a verse in Genesis and it was the verse that talked about you meant it for evil yeah. but god meant it for yes good. and that's easy to quote but when you're in the when you're drowning it's hard to grab onto that life preserver but it's truth i mean that is our life preserver and that's where i think we need the one and others like mm. i think also that you know if people think that they can be at that place when the water's drowning them 
and they can't even grab that life preserver. That's where the body of Christ shines. It's like, we'll come alongside, we'll grab that other arm and we'll grab the life preserver and we'll walk with them for a period of time with the expectation that at some point they, they're going to need to be grabbing people's arms in mm-hmm. the life preserver. So we're not trying to lift up ourselves. We're not trying to make a profession out of counselors. We're, we're, we're really wanting to help a pastor build a culture like that. Yes. And that's a distinct difference too. Mm-hmm. That was one of the the early mistakes, um, when I write the book of the first 200 mistakes made in ministry, <laughs> this was probably f- number 40, but early on, we would even use terms in the ministry like, we'll come alongside and we'll help you build a biblical counseling ministry. Mm. And then after listening to pastors and working with them for a number of years, it was like, you know, we're not hitting the bullseye. What they're talking about is they want a church of biblical counselors. And and I mean by that, not necessarily that everybody's a licensed counselor, right. but a certified counselor, but uh, um, but we're practicing the one another's. Mm-hmm. It's normal for us to enter into somebody else's mess and say, you know what? I don't have the answer, but I know who does. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to walk with you in this until God does his work. Mm-hmm. And, and that's normal. That's how we're functioning as the body of Christ. That's not abnormal. And it's not abnormal that you come forward with your problems because, by the way, we're all broken. Mm-hmm. We're just one beggar telling another beggar where that we found the bread. Mm-hmm. But that's not often the culture of the body of Christ anymore. Right. I think that saddens Jesus. That's not what he intends and that's not what he wants. But we've kinda, lost it. We've lost yeah. it and we've we're running away from it in our culture right now. Mm-hmm. We're being encouraged to to go to other sources that I would start uh saying that that's worldly wisdom. That's not godly wisdom. That's man-centered wisdom, and it's coming at us from all different directions. Like, I can't even watch TV anymore, hear a radio station, and say, like, what in the world? And how did this ever become something that we're even debating? Our our culture is really broken, but but God's not. Yeah. And uh, Jesus is still active. And I think uh, I was thinking as you were describing the gospel, how it applies to our problems, it's it's really sanctification. And I don't think when people are in the deep end of the water and they're drowning, they're not thinking that in a way of like, what is what is Jesus trying to do here to help me be more like him? Because the culture would say, you need an immediate fix. I'm going to give you relief. That's going to be, the, I'm going to help you solve your problem. And Jesus is saying, those are band-aids. I want to make you more like me. That's why I died for you, Mike. Yeah. And that's that's um that reality's not entered into how we counsel people. Hmm. Yeah. Going back to that wilderness experience, you you don't get to the promised land without going through the wilderness. And I think I think that's what what the kingdom is about. It is our promised land living in in Christ's kingdom with him sitting on the on the throne and us coming alongside one another as we we live and work in his kingdom for our our king and i think those those wil- different wildernesses not all of us go through the same experiences mm-hmm. but we all have trouble yeah um we're we're warned we're told but we're told to take heart and i think we take heart because he says he has overcome the world. Mm-hmm. So we can look to him. And it is, I think of um, the troubles that we experience, the hardships, and some of them are, are very significant, can be almost devastating. Mm-hmm. But as we 
looking back on my own significant heartache and wilderness years, looking back and being able to say that was the worst thing that ever happened to me, but it was also the best thing. Mm -hmm. Thanks be to God. And I think of a friend who, who says, I don't look at these things as bad. They're hard, but I don't look at them as bad. They are specially, these troubles are specially designed for me by a good and gracious and loving shepherd who knows his sheep. He knows me. He knows how to bring me through. Yeah. I really like talking to people like that, like your friend you're describing, because I I don't even know who you're talking about, but Mm -hmm. I'm fully convinced that person's walked through a lot of valleys and has seen God show up with the power of the gospel because you don't get to that place without going through those and really not just reading, even the reading the Bible about this truth, but experiencing it. Mm-hmm. And I find that all the time and experience it personally, like until you go through that and, and until you watch God show up with his power in a way that you're like, wow. Mm-hmm. Like I, I often use the term splitting the Red Seas. You've had that in your life. I've had that in my life. We know lots of people that have experienced that, but until you're sitting at the Red Sea and you don't see any way to get out and you got enemies coming at you mm-hmm. and all of a sudden God splits the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. You can't have that strong faith like your friend has. There's no other shortcut of that. You have to watch God's power to really believe that fully. And I think in our calling of serving people in that way, that's part of that calling of serving people in an intense situation. If you don't have that faith that you've experienced, I don't think any academic schooling or any even Bible study, uh, not to minimize a Bible study, but that can't get you to the place that we're describing that like your friend that says, okay, I just took a torpedo to the bow, but I know that's God's goodness. I'm not sure why he's doing it. I don't like it. Yeah, <laughs> It hurts really bad, Yeah, but he's doing something amazing here because yeah. I've watched him do this in my life. Yep. X times. Yeah. Another friend says, uh, a mutual friend <laughs> says being okay with what's not okay because God's okay with it. Um, that's meekness that's his definition of meekness and and not be being offended by him and how he's running his kingdom how he is playing even for our dear pastors who are feeling so alone and in the wilderness yeah yeah it's not necessarily bad yeah it's not bad and um so this has been really fun Carrie, thank you. This is uh, podcast number one, and Lord willing, we'll have many of these. We're hoping to do two a month at least for a period of time and see how that goes. And I'm hoping this is going to be a an encouragement. And in the counseling world, we talk a lot about hope. So I hope if there's somebody listening right now that says, wow, this person, uh, Mike and Carrie, are like reading my mind, like I'm going through this valley right now. How did they know that? Mm-hmm praising the Lord right now that somehow God would use this to bring that person hope that there are answers. God's word is sufficient. God God gave us three important, powerful resources, the word of God, the spirit of God, and then God's people. And if we access and use all the resources he's given us, we're going to find joy even in the midst of brutal pain <laughs> or, or stuck in sin. That's another lie, by the way, and and actually the biblical counseling movement probably earned a little bit of this bad rap, but there's a lot of people when they think about soul care or biblical counseling, they 
they think of like, oh, you're just sin hunters and you're just Bible thumping. Mm -hmm. And and maybe we as a movement kind of earn that reputation a little bit, but I hope not. But I, I really believe where the movement is now, it's much more balanced with considering sin and suffering. And, yeah. you, know, we need- you don't you don't have to hunt very hard for sin. Yeah. It's it's pretty much <laughs> pretty much right out there. The hard part is fixing our eyes on our on our savior. Yeah, because if we don't do that, if we don't fix our eyes on Jesus in the midst of these problems, we as people that want to come alongside our friend, we're either going to be prideful thinking like we have the answers or we're going to be fearful saying, I have no idea what to say to this person. So, I mean, it's totally all about getting our eyes on Jesus and going to the word of God for truth Mm -hmm. and then speaking truth and love. That's a big word in counseling movement now, truth and love. And so that's kind of half art, half science, I think. You know, there's, there is yeah. a learned skill set that needs to be right. trained and equipped. And, yep. and that's what we get jazzed about uh, through our apprenticeship program, actually, that, that we've created to come alongside that pastor and have hands-on mentoring for his people that are becoming, you know, competent, certified biblical counselors to serve in the church. And, but that's fun. I really find a lot of enjoyment when that pastor makes that choice to allow an organization like ours to come alongside them mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they're seeing God raise up people within their church and they're they're handling all that heavy work for that pastor. I mean, obviously there's still that elder shepherding responsibility. They they can't get out of that. That's God ordained by role, but they don't have to carry all those heavy buckets. Mm-hmm. Like when they you know, I'm thinking of a church of a couple hundred people, and if that pastor had like three people, three to five people in this church that were actively doing the intensive discipleship that's an incredible strength building encouragement for that pastor and the church and so that's those are some of the things that we try to bring through the bcm ministry is that customized blueprint solution as well as the apprenticeship program and then we have the biblical discipleship approach to biblical counseling that's kind of a real easy system Mm -hmm. that the church can implement which includes a lot of things and i'm confident we'll talk about all that stuff in future podcasts but and don't forget about the church partner network one of my favorite parts that so what is the church partner (laughs) that you don't have to do it alone how cool is it that area churches are together together in this it's there's a camaraderie and again, those trusted relationships and friendships that are being built. I kind of look at it as shepherds shepherding each other. <laughs> yeah. Like they're doing the one another's among shepherds. Yeah, yeah. They're they're there. I think it's one of the biggest ways that our individual pastors are helped in the the area of loneliness, that they're not alone. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems to me there's a number of those connections among pastors, at least in our area here in Central Illinois right now, that get together because their their common unity is around their style of stand, holding to expository preaching. Right. Praise God for that. That's yes. beautiful. But the kind of what we're talking about, those pastors that are really in the deep end of the pool with people's problems, they don't really feel like they have peers. Like they don't know who to talk to about that kind of stuff. Right. And even as a, as a pastor, they're already probably by wisdom guarded on who they talk to, who yep. about what. So they're already have to be yep. careful, let alone in our realm of 
counseling, you, you have confidentiality and those kind of things, which is different in the church context than the professional context, right. praise God. But that's still an issue. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you mentioned that because yesterday, matter of fact, our, our teammate who led the uh, every other month, we have the director's lunch. Mm -hmm. And it was so beautiful yesterday. There was this collaboration. There's about 15 people there. And they were all peers, directors, pastors of, of biblical counseling and care at their church. And to see them talking about and interacting and collaborating on what's working at their church and what's not, it was just absolutely God glorifying. That is and, it, awesome. and it's great that you brought that up. Um, it, it, as I travel around the country and talk to some of the to my mentors around the country, when I talk to them about that network collaboration part, they're like, "Hmm, <laughs> tell me about that." <laughs> yeah, you know, I can I can ramble out about equipping and yada yada consulting, but when they hear that, they're like, "Whoa, mm -hmm. that's that's I've never heard of that." Like, yeah. how does that work? So that's yep. a gift of God, and we have that central Illinois, and we pray, Lord willing, there could be other BCM locations around the country, and then we also have people that are pastors around the country that are not in central Illinois that are starting to contact us. By God's design, we're not um, we're not even reaching out to do that right now, but people are coming to us, so we're excited. God seemingly is um, using this for a season to serve these pastors. And so if anybody happens to be listening and you're a pastor or maybe you're potentially an investor, maybe this grabbed your heart and you just want to help support us by prayer and financials, uh, we need that. And if you're a pastor that just would like to either uh, connect with us and learn more about these uh, processes and systems that we've created to serve you, our website is uh, bcmnational.org. And there's some testimonial videos. If you decide to go there, please look at the testimonial videos because they'll tell the story better than we ever could on a podcast or yeah. blog or any other things we're trying. It's uh, real life testimonies shows God's power in a way that's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think we should have testimonies. Actually, we need to have some podcasts with testimonies. Yep. But I always thought a real fun church service, every service would be like one or two testimonies where just yeah. the, it's for me, it spurs on my faith to hear other people in the battle and hear what God did. It's like, mm -hmm. okay, I, I can believe that Jesus is the answer in this. And yeah. So, yeah. well, dear sister, thank you, Carrie. And you. Uh, dear podcast listeners, thank you. This is our first one. So I'm sure it's clumsy. And, uh, <laughs> but this was actually more fun than I even thought it was yeah. going to be. So thank you all. God bless. And we, I hope that you listen uh, regularly. Thanks for listening to Soul Care Culture, a podcast by Biblical Counseling Ministries. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future conversations. And we want you to know that we're here for you. To learn more about our Biblical Counseling Blueprint model, head to our website at bcmnational.org. Again, that's the letters bcmnational.org. We'll see you next time.